Welcome to the Purposed Marriage Podcast. If you are in a marriage that is damaged, broken, and think all hope is lost, we invite you to listen in to today's broadcast. We pray that through this ministry, you will find biblical encouragement and instruction that will lead you and your spouse, no matter the heart condition, to a closer walk and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God can and does heal marriages, no matter how desperate or impossible the circumstances may appear to be. And now, here is today's episode. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Larson. With me, as always, is my wife, Amy Larson. Amy, say hello. Hello. We are back once again, and uh, the seasons have changed. Yes. We got our first snow. We got our first snow. It seemed like it was uh, <laughs> really nice and warm one day, and then, boy, just just the next day, everything changed, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it Suddenly. went it went from like eighty nine, even ninety degrees, a couple of days, all the way down to like thirty. So yeah, dramatic change. Indeed. Well, today's uh, episode it's actually a question: Are you really sorry? And it's based largely on the topic of our last or our previous blog entry on purposed marriage. And so, uh, if we reference some of the things that were discussed then. Uh, that's okay. I, I feel like a, a conversation uh, is a good way to explore this topic a little bit further. Yeah. All right. So we'll begin with James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Amy, what role do you feel repentance plays in the overall process of reconciliation and why is it so crucial in order for restoration to take place? Well, I, I feel like that repentance has to happen in order for there to be reconciliation. And it's not just a repentance on the, the part of one party either. I believe that both parties need to understand um, the role of repentance not just on one person's in one person's life, but in both in both persons. So you're lives. saying it's not enough for one person to say they're sorry, and then there's forgiveness, and then we just move along right. and everything's okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't believe so. And I know in our case, that that was not that was not the the fact. Um, I believed that was the fact. I believe mm. that well, if you know, if Tommy was repentant and he was just just sorry and um, he apologized and changed, then everything would be wonderful. Um, but that, is, that is actually quite a common sentiment of uh, people who are in crisis marriages. Right. Uh, one person thinks that all the problems are due to the other person's behavior. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. And in, in our case, that's how I believed uh, at the time that we started to go through the divorce process and when we were separated i believe that everything was tommy's fault if he could just get right with the lord you know all of our problems would be magically healed and that's not the case because it really does take two parties to understand that they're both um they both have we both have sin natures and so on part of both of us we need to come together and realize that not only are um, our behaviors and sinful practices harming our spouses, 
but it's also harmful to, to God. So we're, we're not really just talking about the wrongs you have committed that have hurt your spouse. We're talking about a relationship uh, that has in some, type, in some cases been severed between you and the Lord. Absolutely. So it's not, I need to say I'm sorry to you. It's, wow, my relationship with God is not where it needs to be. I need to confess my sins first to Him and restore that relationship. Exactly. Like, go before the Lord and restore that. And that should be the main focus, not the spouse, not reconciliation. Repentance must come first. 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Yeah. Um, So what was it that led you to desire to seek repentance, and how did you go about it? Well, uh, I I sought forgiveness a number of ways. Uh, er Early on, I tried to verbally express my my sorrow by simply saying, I'm sorry. Uh, That wasn't received very well. In fact, I was told to stop it. Just, (laughs) Just stop it. I don't want to hear it. Right. And you, you'll be able to speak to the motivations be, behind that. But in, in terms of what, what caused me to want to express my sorrow, that was the working of the Holy Spirit. He was convicting me, and He was bringing me to an understanding of uh, the depths that my sins had taken me. Right. To the extent that they had uh, really hurt you mm-hmm. deeply and profoundly. And so the Lord was showing me uh, how painful that was for you. I was experiencing that firsthand. And the more uh, I was being hurt by that, the better of understanding I had of my own actions and how I had really wronged you and how I, I wanted to do everything I could within my power uh, to make that right. But but first and foremost, and uh, I, I thank the Lord and I thank the biblical counsel that was given to me at the time I understood that my relationship with the Lord was the first thing that needed to be corrected. And so I experienced a lot of emotional moments just between me and the Lord, as well as uh, my counselor, my pastor at the time, just confessing things. The sheer weight of all the things that I had allowed into my life, as well as the pain I had inflicted on you, really just broke me and brought me to my knees. A lot of it was disbelief that I had sunk to that level and that I, it was possible for me to hurt you to the extent that I did. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so what was it that led me to desire to seek repentance? Uh, I knew how wrong I was and I, I wanted to make things right. And so I mentioned uh, actually apologizing, saying I'm sorry. That uh, took on other forms. I would, I would write letters Mm-hmm. On occasion, uh, there were other things I would do, service-oriented actions that I would perform, like such as uh, bringing over a meal, uh, coffee, yeah, coffee, uh, having work done on the cars, things like that that I felt met real needs in the life of my wife and our boys while they were here at home. So you recognize and maybe you can speak to the point of there is godly sorrow and there's worldly sorrow um 
I, w I would say for the first time, I felt like there was a godly sorrow. Well, the worldly sorrow is just going to lead to uh, sadness all the time. Right. And uh, there n might not necessarily be any change right. that follows that. The godly sorrow uh, produced a change in my life. Right. Uh, again, not because of what I was doing, but because of what the Lord was doing in, you. in me, right, mm -hmm. and, and through me. Yeah, and that, that's the biggest difference right there, the, the transformation that will occur in one's life. Right. If, it, if the repentance and sorrow comes from the Lord. Yeah. Uh, Amy, how did you react to the apologies once they were expressed to you? And did you, did you even care about being apologized to uh, <laughs> during the time of separation? Well, I, I already know. Yeah. But, and and I, should, <laughs> should say, I should say for our listeners that your attitude or your answer to this question uh, is going to be different depending on, you know, at what point in the separation you're describing. Right. Where we were. Right. And I, I mean, I'll speak to, to both of those. Um, in the beginning, how I felt, and then toward, towards the end. So in the beginning, when Tommy came to me and... Uh, I remember there was a serious point where he said, hey, I really need to talk to you. There are some things that I haven't shared with you. And, you know, he was he was deeply sorry for the things that he had, you know, he was sharing at the time. And I remember as soon as he started sharing, I just, I, I cut it off. Like in my mind, I quit listening my heart was completely hardened and I saw all of his apologies as just excuses. He's, he's now giving me all the excuses for the poor behavior that he's displayed in our marriage over the past 10 years. And so if he gives me an excuse as to why the behavior has been in place, it's my job then to say you're forgiven and everything will go back to being, you know, great, we'll have a great marriage. And I wasn't willing to forgive him. Um, I wasn't willing to listen to any more excuses. Well, you know, you weren't really hearing me and the sincerity that was coming from me no. at the time because of the condition of your heart. Right. Much the same way for 10 years, I wasn't hearing you. I right. Mean, uh, our hearts... Uh, basically in the the same type of state and that is they were calloused mm -hmm. and not uh, willing to hear things the, the truth of things and so I was I, I at the time I was making those apologies I was owning up to the things that I had done I was not making excuses all right and I was very clear about taking ownership for all the things that I had done but even though I was expressing that you were hearing the complete opposite. <laughs> right. No, this is just an excuse. And I'm thinking, no, it's not an excuse. I'm not defending anything. Your mind, yes, you are defending everything. Right. And I think that that's where it's very important to understand with the prodigal. Um, it, you cannot understand the prodigal. Um, you know, it's very frustrating from the standards point of view at that point trying to understand 
how can they think this way? Right. But right? you you have to keep in mind that you cannot rationalize irrational behavior. And that's exactly what sinful behavior is. It's irrational. And there is a battle that goes on, a spiritual battle that is um, raging. And so there would be moments of clarity where, you know, I felt like, oh, wow, Tommy actually gets it. He's truly sorry for the years of, you know, sin that he had um, displayed towards me. And, and, you know, two days later, I would feel the complete opposite. And I mean, there is a wavering, there was a wavering um, in my mind, you know, some days I felt like he totally gets it. And other days, I was like, here's another excuse. And really, my heart was so callous that I I didn't want to hear any more excuses. Even if you truly meant what you were saying, I didn't want to hear it. Were there times where you wanted to hear apologies from me? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you wanted to hear me say, I'm sorry? Um, I, I know for a fact that I felt I deserved to be apologized for. Um, did mm. I want to hear it? Yeah, I felt like that I was owed that. Um, but whenever you started apologizing and then you started taking responsibility, no, I, I was done. I know I didn't want to hear it. So, you know, it, it was talking out of both sides you, of my mouth. You wanted to hear it, but you didn't want to hear it. <laughs> exactly. I was owed it. So I felt like that you should apologize. But because you didn't apologize on my timetable, um, I was done. And I, I know no matter what your apologies or, in my mind, excuses were at the time, I didn't want to hear it. So yes and no. I think there was the mindset that you desired to have me apologize, but you weren't going to allow yourself to uh, express any forgiveness because at that point you wanted to have that power. Exactly. Over me. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and I wanted you to feel and understand how deeply you had hurt me. And I felt like, you know, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. At that point, I said, no, vengeance is, is Amy's, and I'm going to take it out on Tommy. The judge, jury, and executioner all wrapped up into, <laughs> into one. one. Absolutely. Right. And I think and that, that's not uncommon. And no. I, I've found myself guilty of, of having that same mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think know. also speaking to that and kind of going back to the first question, which involves repentance, um, in my mind, I wasn't the one that was wrong. You were wrong and you needed to apologize to me. You needed to seek counseling. You needed to get all the help. Um, but what I had done is I had allowed bitterness and anger to fester in my heart for all of those years that I had placed myself up on this pedestal and I had, I had become very self-righteous in my thinking and I felt owed apologies, but that I myself had no work um, that needed to be done in my life. Would you characterize your attitude at the time as being stubborn? Oh, absolutely. Mm. I was, um, I was very stubborn. Um, I was, you know, completely unrepentant, um, which actually reminds me of Romans two, five. Yeah. yeah. Romans two, five, 
But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. And I just, I, I know that I needed to be apologized to, um, but I didn't felt like that I needed to apologize in return. And so for, for my, on my behalf, um, I was building up wrath. I mean, and I was placing myself in a position of self-righteousness. Um, this is a very stern warning that we read here. Uh, there are other places in Scripture where God refers to stubbornness as being on the same level as uh, witchcraft, witchcraft. Mm -hmm. and He absolutely hates it. You know, we would, most of us would probably say, if someone is engaged in witchcraft, boy, they're really far from the Lord. <laughs> right. But how many of us possess a stubbornness, stubbornness. Mm -hmm. right, or pride, and are unwilling to forgive? Right. Yeah, and it, in terms of how God looks at it, it seems pretty clear that. Uh, they're on the same level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we emphasize one and not the other. Right. And I think also with, you know, that stubbornness, um, it allows or it allowed me to focus on your sinful behavior mm -hmm. and not focus on my own. And so um, when we allowed pride into our lives and we're not, you know, broken and we're not fully submitting our lives and our hearts to the Lord, you know, what we're doing, I mean, he says right here, we're storing up wrath against ourselves for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. How did you handle what you understood was an unwillingness to accept your apologies? I knew I had no control over you and that I couldn't force you to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you were accountable to God for your actions. Likewise, for me, uh, I was going to be obedient regardless of right. your willingness or unwillingness to obey the Lord uh, in turn. So, uh, you know, the Lord just, um, He helped me not get too upset over that. I don't want to say I had a full peace about it because uh, I wasn't fully at peace over anything during our separation. Right. right? How could I be? Right. You know. Uh, you knew it wasn't God's will. No, this so. was this was not right. What was happening here? I wasn't losing sleep over it. I was I was bothered by it, mm -hmm. and I and I prayed that in time you would come to accept my apologies. But wouldn't you? Even though you, I, I will say though, uh, before you uh, share. You had actually expressed that you had forgiven me the same the same day I was served. We had a conversation on the phone, and in that conversation, you expressed how you had forgiven me. <laughs> and I remember thinking that, uh, boy, this is not what I understood forgiveness to look like. That is not at all what forgiveness. Your forgiveness. Looks like. So here's, yeah, here's the divorce papers. We're going to end everything. Yeah, in fact, the divorce papers, that basically was a declaration of war. That didn't really reconcile with anything that resembled true and actual forgiveness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Amy, at what point did you finally begin to understand and appreciate uh, the sincere, genuine remorse 
that was displayed and did it change things between you and me? And if so, in what way? And we may go back to something that was a little catalyst that helped promote an understanding that right. we talked about in our blog. Right. Earlier. Yeah, I think Tommy um, and I had a, a wonderful evening. I guess it's been about a week ago mm-hmm. where we were just talking back and forth and I reminded him that he had sent me a video, a music video, and I, I couldn't recall the name of the, the song or the writer, um, but I had asked him, hey, do you remember this? And so he shared with me Andrew Peterson's um, I want to say I'm sorry. I want to say I'm sorry video. Mm-hmm. And he had sent that to me, um, I guess, I don't remember if we were divorced at the time. I believe so. Um, but anyway, he had sent that to me. I don't think we were at no? the time. No. Okay. No. He he sent that to me and I remember... We were well on our way though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sent that to me and I remember... For the first time I listened to it, I remember God really using that to speak to me, to show me that Tommy truly understands what he's done to you. Like, this is not a, hey, I'm sorry, let's keep going about our lives and, you know, I'm just going to keep doing the same old thing that I've always done. This was a... I truly am sorry that I hurt you. I am grieved over it. I am sorry. And I am showing you actively things that I promise to you that will be different, that I am changing. And I saw that for the first time that I listened to that video. And Well, one, one of the things that was so great about that video is that as you hear his singing, you're seeing the words being written in front of you, and you get a sense of somebody who's basically pouring out his heart and right. his soul. It's beautiful. It, it's, it's very yeah, well right. Done. And we'll we'll provide the link to this uh, in in the podcast and in, in the show notes. Uh, but uh, it it was able to express something that I was unable to on my own. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Amy being able to watch maybe put me in the place of the writer and think, oh, this is actually coming from him. Right. And I think also, and I I know this may sound a bit odd, but even though Tommy sent it to me, it wasn't from Tommy. I had a very hard time accepting and listening to him apologize because in my mind I had not reconciled you know, I, ha- I hadn't forgiven him truly. And every time but that you said you had forgiven. Yes, him. <laughs> I said I had mainly right. just to kind of keep you quiet so you wouldn't talk yeah, st- about stop it. Stop apologizing. Right. Yeah. Like uh, it's over. You know, you've apologized. Now let's move on. That's kind of my thought but process. You, I think, too, the apologizing that's that was also a reminder that took you back to Scripture. Right. It was something that convicted you and oh, it was when very you're running, convicting. you don't want to be convicted. You don't want to be convicted. You want convicted. to keep running. Right. I, yeah. I didn't want to hear, you know, that you were sorry because I knew that also it was my part, on my part, I was to forgive and I wasn't at a willingness to forgive. 
And so um, back to the, the video for just a second, I remember Tommy sharing that with me. And at the time, he didn't know this, but I would listen to that often and I would cry myself to sleep at night just listening to the lyrics and understanding that there truly was displayed in that true repentance, um, a deep a deep sorrow for what had happened between us on his part. And I think that that started softening my heart to realize not only did he have things that he was sorry for, but it, uh, it made me redirect the focus inward to my heart to look and see that there were things that I had allowed to come in for that, what, year, year and a half, yeah, and that I was now displaying some of those same behaviors that I was pointing out that were so bad in you. Well, it, it started to produce some humbleness yes. in you. Yeah. And that that was key. Right. That is so key if there's going to be restoration. And the self-righteousness started to to fall to fall away. And I I think what was so important about that video is even though it came from Tommy, it was from an outside source. And so I could see it as, you know, in the past all of his apologies were just excuses in my mind. And so at that point it was like, you know, God used that to speak um, to me through, through another means. And it was very, very powerful. Yeah, and we don't know uh, what the Lord is going to use no. to speak to our prodigals. Or who he'll use. Right. Yeah, and so, I, you know, I think that, that that was a key moment when Tommy shared that with me. And how did it change things between us? Um, I, I think that I started viewing him differently. I started viewing him again with um, eyes to see him as, you know, hey, possibly this we we could restore our marriage. You know, I I don't think I had a hatred in my heart any longer. I didn't despise you when I looked at you. I I saw the kindness that you had d been displaying for. Over a year, I finally saw it for what it was. Well, we mentioned how it it sort of started you on the path to embracing humbleness. Mm -hmm. uh, did it begin in you self-examination of your own actions? Absolutely. I started, I started looking at my own actions and I started realizing it's not one-sided. Like... There are plenty of things that Tommy had, you know, done in our marriage, um, but I also was guilty, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not one-sided. When we are seeking holiness um, and seeking a relationship with the Lord, that um, progressive sanctification it, it, it's constant. We're constantly moving closer to the Lord, or we should be. And I think that there was a realization that, hey, I'm, I'm not doing anything here. Like, I see him growing closer to the Lord, and I see he has a heart that has changed, and he is serving me and everyone else well. What am I doing? I'm staying stagnant. 
I am not growing in the Lord. In fact, you know, I had backslidden and done plenty of things that I myself realized, okay, that these these things need to change. So yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I started examining my own heart and realized, you know, restoration can only come when both parties are willing to work and cooperate yeah. with the Holy Spirit. And when we say restoration, I, I think of healing, a healing that mm-hmm. takes place. And I'm reminded of Second Chronicles seven fourteen. While the context is a little different here, this is about the children of Israel, it still applies, I think, quite well mm-hmm. to, to marriages. Uh, it reads, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Well, I'm just going to say that when it comes to their land, what would be the land we're talking about here? Our marriages, Our marriage. mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it, it starts off by saying, if you will just humble yourselves, all right, that is uh, getting rid of the pride that is in your life, swallowing that pride, getting rid of it, seek my face. So you're turning to God, you are forsaking your wicked ways. Uh, you know, God will forgive you and there will be healing. And so, but that's, that's predicated on uh, both uh, parties uh, being obedient in this case. Right. Because you're not going to have true restoration if, if one is still holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness. Right. right. And I think it's also important to point out that if you think you have n- done nothing wrong in the marriage, or that there is nothing that God needs to change in you, you need to recognize that there is some real self-righteousness there because Mm -hmm. we all have things that we need to work on. And marriage marriage is a two-party, actually three with the Lord. You know, there is a husband and wife and we have God. And if we're both working towards a better relationship with the Lord and a holiness, we're naturally going to come together as husband and wife and be on the same path. Mm. So, Tommy, what advice would you give to someone struggling to display sorrow and remorse for things they have done to hurt their spouse? You know, there was a time after we were on the road to restoration and healing, uh, and I knew that was going to be coming. Uh, I had moved back in and things were headed in the right direction, but I, I spoke with my pastor and I said to him, when is she ever going to apologize <laughs> right. for what I just went through, right. this hell that I just went through? Because it, it seemed like... Um, all right, I'm back home and everything is going to be fine again, but I, I didn't see in her uh, the same type of behavior that I was displaying in terms of, of actual repentance or, or sadness over what had been done. And that was really starting to bother me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I asked him, is this ever going to take place? When can I expect it? Um, and, you know, he, he reminded me that 
you know, I needed to not be focused so much on that, that uh, getting what I felt was owed to me. Right. And, and the fact that this is a work that has to be done by the Lord. Mm-hmm. And in time, uh, I would be hearing, I would be hearing those things, but uh, not to allow that desire to produce anything uh, that would be a hindrance to my developing our relationship or my relationship with the Lord. And, and over time, uh, you, you sincerely expressed deep sorrow Right. over the things that uh, had happened in our marriage with the with the separation and the divorce. And I didn't have to pry any of that out, out of, of you. And, right. and in fact, you might remember the conversation where uh, we were actually in the kitchen. And I, uh, this was before I went to uh, my pastor. And I think I said, when are you going to, when are you going to say you're sorry for going to war with me? And I don't know if you remember that, but it was, I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't being as patient as I needed to at that time. And I wasn't uh, demonstrating much grace mm-hmm. because the Lord was not done with you. Right. And I was thinking, well, everything should be fine right, <laughs> right. now. I, I apologize. Now it's your turn. Right. And right. I, I think a lot of times we try to rush God's process Mm -hmm. and we have to step back and allow God to do the work and the Holy Spirit to penetrate the hearts um, of the heart of our spouse and you know I think in, in in counseling I see this often where one party may move faster or you know quickly and the other party it seems like they're really you know Um, dragging their feet but that is all in in God's timing and whenever he does get a hold of that person's heart typically um, the I'm sorry's and the true you know um, understanding of what their actions have done will start pouring out like you know flood like opening the floodgates and it it will be displayed and it won't be forced and it won't it will be natural well and I became convicted of where my mind was at the time in other words I was I was desiring this apology because I felt it was owed Owed to to me I had just suffered all this Mm mm-hmm yeah, now uh, where's my compensation? <laughs> right, right. And that's such an important... And it's wrong. That was right. completely wrong. And, and that's an important point, even to you know, what you said earlier about when you were sorry and you were expressing this sorrow. You know, you can't do things and expect something in return. That is not what God calls us to do. That is not what true forgiveness is looks like when you are apologizing and expecting an apology back or actions back you know that that is not that's not how it no it's not it's not genuine and that leads us to our final question for today what does genuine repentance look like in the life of the true believer so genuine repentance isn't going to come with any strings attached to it exactly It it is not conditional Right. 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 And I think that there is a solid focus on 
your actions and your behavior and you're no longer worried about what the other person is doing. And really, if you can sum it up into one simple verse, I mean, it would be Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I think when you come to understand that, hey, the sins I'm displaying and what I have in my life, it's not just a sin against my husband. It's not just a sin against my wife, not a sin against my spouse, but it also is a sin against God. And when we recognize all that God did for us and He sent His Son to die for us and shed His blood for us, that should be what pricks our heart. Lord, once again, we thank you for the time we've had to share here today. Uh, We pray that you would take and use what has been said and read from your word and, and speak to the hearts of those listening. Father, we ask you to help us examine our own lives and if there be anything there displeasing to you, may we ask forgiveness from you, Lord. God, if we have done things that have hurt our loved ones, help us to find ways to express our sorrow sincerely and to make things right. Work in our souls and give us the spirit of forgiveness that we may forgive those who have wronged us. Let there be peace in our lives to the extent that we are able to influence the circumstances we find ourselves in. May we always look to you and to your word for the answers we seek, Father. Go with us now and help us all to do your will. May we honor you in all we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. We hope and pray it strengthens and further equips you to remain committed to your marriage no matter the condition or circumstances. For more information and links to resources from our ministry, be sure to follow us on social media and through our official blog at purposedmarriage.org. you have questions about standing for your marriage and desire to learn more about how to live biblically during times of trial and heartache, please reach out to us via email. Our address is purposedmarriage at gmail.com. Until our next broadcast, may God continue to strengthen and encourage as you pursue a Christ-honoring and purposed marriage.